0: All right. Hey, good morning, Mercy family. Good morning. Hey, if you are a college student, said this last week, say it again this week, and I'll even say next week, welcome back. We love you guys. We're so glad to have you back Uh, with us. We are better when you are here among us. If you have your Bible for everybody, make your way over to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. We're taking a break just this weekend from our series in the book of Ephesians to talk about a big step of faith that we're taking as a church that's going to happen in two weeks. Next week, as we get back into Ephesians, I'll go and give you a little preview. I'm so excited to tell you, a friend of mine, Dr. Brian Loritz, is coming to preach the second half of Ephesians 2. Now, if it's kind of hard to have a world-class expert on like one specific passage, but he is that. Um, written books on it, it's going to be phenomenal. Do not miss that, all right? Now, back to today, as we open up our Bibles... Look into God's Word. I want to go ahead and tell you out front, try and do this as often as I can. I want to give you the big idea for our sermon today. The big idea for today is also the application step for today, which is also um, just kind of the theme for our whole day, okay? Title of the sermon, everything. It's simply this, move for the mission. All right, move for the mission. Matthew 4, 18 through 25, we're going to call it move for the mission. I'm going to call you today to move for the mission. And it's going to mean some very practical steps here and now. We're about to take such a big step in a couple of weeks that really everybody here, everybody that calls Mercy Church home, is going to have to move for the mission because we're going to change our service times, okay? So if nothing else, you're going to move. It's going to be a different time and we're going to shake things up and we're not going to stay with what was. And I found these kind of faith moments are so good for the church. Um, I'm going to explain more in a minute, but a couple of things are happening today. First, we are launching a bunch of community groups today, and I'm going to call you to step out of the crowd and get into community. All right, second, we're adding a worship service at our Mercy Northeast campus. We're adding a worship service at our Providence Road campus, and we are launching Mercy Union County. All told, that means we're going to go from three worship services as a church to seven worship services over the course of a weekend. That's a huge step of faith for us. The only way it's going to work is if those who are on the sidelines choose to step off the sidelines and at some level or another, you get in the game, you move forward the mission. You're gonna be called today to move from observer to participant. But listen, we believe God has called you, every one of us, to participate in the life of the church, not just observe. So we're trusting that as we create space for you to jump in, he's gonna work in you and grow your faith as a result, all right? In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and give you out front Um, kind of what's going to, the space that's going to be our application step for today where we're going to actually do that, all right? I want to show you, we're going to put this up on the screen. You can text M4M to the number you see on the screen, or you can use the QR code, all right? And that's going to be the space where we actually have two minutes in our service, where you are going to fill out a survey that that's going to link you to, and you're going to respond for how God's calling you to take a next step. So go ahead and do that now. I'm giving you permission to use your phone during church for just this moment and then at the end and not in the middle, okay? <laughs> you might have your, the Bible on or whatever, you know, I'm not gonna be a stickler for it, but um, be careful. Now, listen to me, if you're an overachiever and you're like, I'm gonna go ahead and do it right now, don't do it, don't do it. I know you want to, I'm an overachiever, okay? But there's a timing to all this that matters. That would be like you taking the cake out of the oven 25 minutes too early, that's gross. Don't be gross, just hang on, okay? I want you to hang on there. I'll tell you when to do it. Now that I've told you what I'm going to do, I'm going to call you to take a step, serve, that kind of thing. I'm going to spend most of our time in God's word showing you what Jesus called his disciples to do. And then we're going to let that drive us, okay? Because the goal in all of this that we're doing is to help you follow Jesus. All right, any action step I give you is always an attempt to help you just follow him. So we'll look at the simple way Jesus called his disciples. And then we're just looking at, all right, What's an application for us today? I'll go ahead and tell you, I'll even warn you. It's the simplicity of the call of Jesus on his disciples that's probably the most challenging part. For us, we try and finagle our ways around it sometimes. It's just so simple and straightforward and so good. Here we go. Matthew 4, 18. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Pretty simple setting, right? Matthew's intentionally giving us just kind of the need to know, not much else. We got Peter, yes, that Peter. Peter who would one day pledge loyalty to Jesus to the death and then would deny him. Peter who would be blessed by Jesus and cursed and called Satan by Jesus, right? Peter who would walk on water, but then sink in the water right? But then that St. Peter goes on to be the guy that preaches at Pentecost and 3,000 people get saved, revival breaks out, the church is born, and he's right at the center of it all. Peter who goes on to write a couple of books of the Bible, Peter who goes on to be arrested, tried, and sentenced to death for preaching the gospel, and when they tell him they're going to crucify him, he asks if he can be crucified upside down because he doesn't think he is worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord. That's Peter was at one time just a guy on a boat doing a blue collar job with his brother, going about their lives and Jesus walked up into their lives and changed everything. And I say that because some of you could not possibly believe the journey God has in store for you. It's so much bigger than yourselves. And if you're like me, man, there's something that beats deep inside of you that says you were made for more. Made for more than just running the rigmarole and building your name in your own little kingdom. I'm telling you, it's in every human heart. We're made to do something that matters, that has lasting, significant impact. And the four guys that we're reading about today found it. And God extends that same invitation to us to live for more. Watch what he says. I'm telling you, it's so simple. Matthew 4, 19, man, this is one of those verses. Follow me, he told them and I will make you fishers of men. Make you fishers of people might be your translation, but the translation, the best way to translate it, I'll make you fishers of men. Let's break this down verse by verse, or excuse me, word by word in here. Follow me, he says, literally meaning here to me. I'll make you fishers of men. Break it down, understand it. At the end of all things, this is the call on everyone who's called to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to be a Christ one, one who follows Jesus, look, y'all, Jesus wasn't inviting these two guys to take a casual stroll on the beach with him where they could hear an inspirational message from Jesus. Maybe hear some really moving worship music and have a life-changing experience that doesn't actually change your life at all. All Right, sidebar, if you say something is life-changing, but your life never changes, it wasn't life-changing. All right, and there's a version of Christianity out there where you go to a worship experience week after week that moves you, but moves you nowhere. That's not Christianity. Christianity is following. It's going. It's moving with Christ. This is a way of life change. And as they follow Jesus, their task on earth is going to increase in significance. That's why he says it the way he does. He's like, all right, these are fishermen. I created you to be fishermen. I created fish, right? That's Jesus. He comes over. And he says, all right, you understand fishing. So let me say this in a way that you'll understand it. Right now you fish for fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Their lives are going to carry some greater significance. He's not downplaying fishing, all right? Calling someone up to something. is not putting them down with what they're doing. He's calling them to more. Um, Theologian Suzanne Dietrich, she said this very well in her commentary on Matthew, which talks about what he calls them to. So it's no longer a question of taking fish from the lake but of drawing men up out of the abyss of sin and death, catching them in the great net of God. See that? That's not a, a call to follow Jesus is a call to a forever changed way of life. It's a call to fishing. It's not a call to learn something, but do nothing. Nor is a call just to do a bunch of things without learning from the master. This call following the way of Jesus, what we call discipleship, is a call to eternity-changing work. Jesus' disciples would not only be changed by Jesus as they learned from him and as they followed him, but man, they also would get to have a front row seat and be a part of seeing people meet the living God. There's nothing greater in this life than that. This call, follow me, it changes your life. And I think that right there, Shakespeare would say, is the rub. We want to be a fan of Jesus, and there are plenty of those. You keep reading Matthew, which you're going to see pretty soon after this, plenty of crowds. In fact, we'll see it a little bit today. But to be a follower is to take steps. It's to follow him. He says, follow me and I will make you. That is a great hope for Peter and Andrew in that statement, I will make you. He didn't say, follow me and you will become if you try hard enough. He says, follow me. Jesus took all the responsibility for the transformation that they would undergo. I will make you. You're going to look different. But don't worry about that. All you worry about is staying close to me. Follow me. I'll do all the transforming. You stay close to me. You watch me. You follow me. That promise is the same promise for us today. Some of you, I know you you think you could never be a fisher of men or women because you're not able to talk to people. You struggle with that. You got to see from our passage right here, Jesus didn't go looking for his first disciples at the local seminary. In fact, he went to the local seminary to do the opposite. That's where he would go to throw down, okay? Now, I'm not dogging seminary. I got two degrees from one and some of y'all are students of seminaries. You work at seminaries. I'm saying, use your powers for good, not for evil, okay? Well, look, Jesus goes out into the community to some young guys who are certainly not trained preachers. They're not on a full ride to any school. They're fishermen. And really, fishermen haven't changed much in 2,000 years, right? It's still the same kind of work. Now you just need to think of Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan, okay? That's who he's going to. If you don't understand the reference, you're missing a great American classic, all right? Same. That's who Jesus made into world changers. I just want want you to catch a vision of the possible. Some of you barely know Jesus or you don't know him at all. We're so honored you're here. We love being a church that helps people investigate Jesus and faith. Some of you thought you were a follower, but you're just a fan. You know about him. You might say you've been moved before, but you've never been moved anywhere. You've never followed him anywhere. And that's why your life isn't really different than before you got to know Jesus. And into that, Jesus says, follow me, take steps, follow me, and I'll change you and make your life into something more. Y'all, I think of stories in our church. Some of them are so, I, I don't want to spotlight them with names or anything like that at this point because they're still so new. We got people who are in jail, got saved and God is changing their lives into something more. And now they're going out and sharing about what God has done. Again, they're so fresh, I won't put them under the spotlight, but I think about it today. We got baptisms today, okay? It is my favorite thing that we do as a church. We got baptisms in all of our services today. It's awesome. Now here's what's cool. Last week, I told you some of these baptisms. Last week, I told you, man, our college ministry has a hope of sharing the gospel 4,000 times in the first 10 days of school because that's something they can do. They can't save people, but they can go tell people about Jesus. Well, today we've got people getting baptized because several people gave their, lives to faith, gave their lives to Christ over the past week as they shared the gospel. Can we pause and praise God? Thank God. <laughs> He's still alive and moving. He's moving. He's moving. And I promise you, bunch of college students who never thought that they would share their faith with somebody else and they turn around and now God is saving people I'll never forget this um there was this uh guy that um was a evangelism trainer taught me how to share the gospel and he told me about a guy my age uh when I was 19 they went down to Panama City Beach and they were doing this um like evangelism stuff and there was a student who was with him, who had never, he's brand new Christian, never shared the gospel before. And I've told you this before, but he walks up, um, my buddy Rupert's there with this guy, and he walks up, this 19-year-old walks up to a group of what looks like this down Panama City. He's like a bunch of bikers, okay? So like rough guys, wearing the leather, the chaps, the whole thing. Because Rupert was like, well, you got to share the gospel sometime. And he's like, all right, I'll just try that over there. Nervous, scared, everything else. I mean, it's like 10 guys, 19-year-old preppy college student, walks over, shares the gospel. Well, Rupert says about 20 minutes later, he came back over Rupert's like, what happened? He goes, it worked. They all gave their lives to Jesus. And Rupert's like, what? And he goes over and investigates, Sure up. These guys came to faith in Christ. And you're like, I didn't know that that would actually happen. And that's where some of you are right now. What I'm trying to tell you is God is going to use you to change other people's lives as you follow him man, when you start following Jesus, I'm telling you, he's going to call you up into something more. It may never mean something as big as a job change or moving to a faraway land. I mean, it might be right here where you are. Think about it. Many of you work in finance. I recognize that here in Charlotte and I know your stories and where you are. And in your industry, you might be the only Christian anybody's ever going to interact with. It's put you right there and has made you to fish for men. Is that going to be you? You're going to get caught up into something more? We're just kind of settled for going through the motions. Back into the call. Look at verse 20. Immediately, this is their response. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. A couple of layers to this. On the surface, Matthew's just recording what happened. They heard the call and they went. But how he writes this actually communicates um, something pretty big about the nature of their response. And the reason I know that is he uses the exact same language as he talks about the next two guys that followed Jesus. So let's bring those guys in. Verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he, Jesus, called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Two brothers again. This time, they're in a boat with their father. And Matthew makes the point to say that when Jesus called them, Just like the way Peter and Andrew did, they responded immediately. But he also adds it was costly. They respond immediately. The repetition reminding you of Peter and Andrew is to make sure you don't miss it. It's important. It was immediate. And then their lives began to change after they began following Jesus. That should bring relief to everybody in the room here. You don't need any training to follow Jesus. Just step out and you follow him. He does the work, right? He will make you. He does the work. Again, some of you gave your lives to Jesus this past week. Praise God. Your step of faith is a huge encouragement to us. Welcome to the family. There's great news here. He is going to change you. He's going to change you as you follow him. This is also good news for some of you. You've heard so many sermons. Some of you've heard decades, thousands of sermons. And you never experienced any real life change. It's time to start following him. And as you follow him with your life, taking steps of obedience, I promise he will change you too. They responded immediately, even though it was costly. They left their father. There's no greater cost to these guys than leaving their father. And I promise following Jesus will cost you. The one whose authority they submit to and the one whose livelihood they would inherit, that's their father, they leave it. That's great cost. And Jesus is gonna to say to his disciples a little bit later in the same gospel, gospel of Matthew, and certainly this instance is setting up this thing in Matthew 16, he says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. He knew there would be people who would want to follow him, but would not be willing to sacrifice for him. And he made sure to say to that person, yeah, I kind of want to follow Jesus, but no, I don't want to give anything up for it. A follower is the only one who's willing to lose their lives for his sake. And I say that to us, You and I who sit as comfortably as any Christian ever has in the 2,000 year history of the church. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it costs you? Now to be clear, he's never going to ask you to do more for him than he's done for you. You actually couldn't. He sacrificed his life as a payment for your sin. So even if you go as a martyr and die for him, you can't die in his place. He only asks you to follow him, never to go further than he went for you. But when he says, sacrifice your time, talent, and treasure to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ and to reach the lost, I mean, y'all, that's Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Galatians 5, Philippians 2, Matthew 20 could go on and on. Are you gonna do it? Are you gonna actually step out and follow him? And is it your joy to do so? Is it your joy to serve others? Is it your joy to sacrifice for others? Hebrews 12, it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despising its shame and sat down at the right hand of the father. Is it your joy? Because in doing so, you're you're following Jesus. John 13, he washes the disciples' feet and he says, do you know the meaning of this act? He, He gives them the meaning. He says, this is what you should do for one another. If you're not willing to wash some feet, you are at best... A fan of Jesus. You are not a follower. And somebody needs to tell you. And as your pastor, look, I try so hard to steer clear of guilt based calls to action because our Lord is after your heart. That's what he's after. Not your like some heartless obedience, okay? In fact, he warns against that repeatedly in the scriptures. So if you've never sacrificed for him, you've never taken a step of obedience to follow him or if you just have no in real inclination to do so, my friend, I hope you'll consider the gospel. The work of God on your behalf needs to be what stirs you to sacrifice for him. And I think back, if you were with us the first half of this year, we looked at the life of King David, who man, God appointed him. God spared his life so many times. Then when David gets power, he sins. I mean, Grievous, heinous sin that causes a lot of destruction in his life and the lives of others. And he experiences the forgiveness of God on the other side of that as a broken man who God redeems and restores and puts back on the throne and everything else goes through so much. And the way that David's story ends, the way that 1st and 2nd Samuel end, there's a worship service. And in this worship service, Somebody brings an offering to David and says, hey, you don't have to spend any of your money in effect, any of anything that you would spend. I will provide this for you so you don't have to spend anything. And David rejects it. He says, no, 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 no. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. In light of my God, I am not going to just give him leftover surplus or what somebody else gave me. No, no, no. I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me Nothing, because that wasn't him. Y'all, he gives what was valuable to him. Is that you? Or do you only give to God out of your surplus or abundance? or Maybe not at all. The gospel says he's holy, he's king, he's creator, he's alpha and omega. He's prepared a place for you in eternity. And in his kindness, he paid the price for our sin and reconciled us back to God the father. What a God we serve. Do you know him? Now, let me tell you what briefly back in our Matthew 4 passage for today, let me show you what happens. The disciples get a front row seat. They get caught up in something bigger. Watch this. Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. It's so cool. What's coming next is like a really long, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's coming right after this in Matthew. Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. They got swept up. Those four fishermen got swept up in a movement, didn't they? People with all kinds of problems finding physical and spiritual healing in Jesus and the disciples just get to see it. I mean, these are these fishermen, they get to see it over and over and over. They got to introduce people to Jesus. They got to show them how to follow him like they were just trying to do. In Matthew 10, he's gonna send them out with his power to go preach the gospel and watch it. They get to watch his power work through their preaching and teaching. It's awesome. When they go, they go, they obey Jesus. They start fishing and people come from death to life. It is God's power to save. It's ours simply to go fishing. I love the vision we have here at Mercy Church to see a gospel awakening happen here in our day that's carried to the ends of the earth. But do you know how it happens? It happens one believer at a time saying yes to the call of Jesus to go fishing. Because just as he sent his disciples out, he sends every one of us out. And just as they had his power, so do we. Here's what he says to all of us, Acts 1.8, you will receive power. This is what he told the disciples after his resurrection, as he's about to ascend to the Father, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Y'all, each one of us, we talked about this last week, each one of us who are in Christ have received power. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about it in terms of resurrection power, the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave is now at work in us. That power is there for a purpose to bring glory to God as we go fish for people. And here's so awesome. What we also saw in chapter one of Ephesians, the people we're going to go out to, God has already planned those conversations. God has the power to save and he's already put all different life circumstances in motion to bring that conversation about. Y'all, that's how a gospel awakening happens. And I'm gonna tell you, the last thing you wanna do is be an observer of a move of God. When God moves, you wanna be right in the middle of it like Peter was. Experiencing his power at work, changing you and then changing your friends. Waking you up to his glory and beauty and purpose far greater than anything this world has to offer. You know, we say our vision is to see that gospel awakening in our day carried to the ends of the earth. The mission, the thing that we do day in, day out to see that happen, is we make disciples of Jesus who love God, who love God's people, and love the lost whom God's sending us to. Look back, verse 19, you'll see all three of those. He says, Follow me, <laughs> love God. A disciple is not one that follows out of duty, it's one that follows out of delight, one who loves God for who he is and what he's done for you. That's the greatest commandment, Jesus says. Love the Lord your God. We say it all the time around here. The Lord is concerned with your heart. Follow me. I will make you. Now, here's what I love. Man, I love this. This one's fun. When Jesus called the first disciples, his first disciples were two people. It was a pair, two brothers. Never in his ministry did he call someone into a solo relationship with him and no one else. Right out of the gate, he calls two people. In fact, The text, the you follow me, when he says that there's a you in there, it's second person plural. Now we in the South have a more advanced dialect than most. We have a more accurate translation. I will make y'all fishers of men. That would be probably the best translation that you could put on this. And the point there's big. He's calling us to go fishing to follow him in community with others as a family together. Y'all, it's one thing to go sit in community but not move anywhere with Jesus. And it's a whole other thing to try and move somewhere with Jesus without other people. One's exhausting and one is pointless. And it has becomes some kind of country club or social group hangout, whatever. Let's move together with Jesus. And he says, I'll make you fishers of men so we love the lost. We're transformed by God and sent out to introduce the good news to others and the power of of God the save goes with us. Love God, love God's people, love the lost. Follow me and I'll make you fishers. We give ourselves to that. I think we'll see a gospel awakening in our day. We'll go to the ends of the earth. Something worth giving our lives to. starts right here. Y'all, it's a glorious calling. It's a big, awesome calling that we're taking that Christ has called us into to be fishers of men. There's nothing greater. And I love that you know, we continue as a church to take steps of faith together that become catalysts for the steps of faith individually in your life. I admit, in light of the beauty and weightiness of the gospel, the application steps I'm about to call you to in a second require such little sacrifice, I had to pray about whether or not they were worthy of our Lord. But then I realized, man, that where did Peter start? Where did I start? So one step, right? I'm just going to take a step. I'm going to go and start to follow him. Peter didn't know he was going to die upside down on a cross willingly for his Lord, when he started following him, he just took a step and the Lord started to do the rest. And the same is true for us, y'all. God uses even the smallest step of following him to start to change our hearts. So here's what I want to do. I want you now to pull back out that survey. All right, pull back out that thing I had you. You're not gonna, uh, Union County, Northeast, I'm gonna see me right now and that's okay. I don't need to see you, you don't need to see me. Here at Providence Road, I will see the tops of your heads and I will talk to you for a second, okay? You're gonna see a couple of small practical steps that I'm calling us to take together. One is to let us know what service you're gonna be at. Okay, that's gonna help us out. At Northeast, is it gonna be the 9.30 or the 11.15? Providence Road, we're gonna have an eight o'clock. That's where Jesus is, okay? So you're gonna come with me and Jesus. We'll be at the eight o'clock, then there's a 9.30 and 11.15. I'm gonna save this for the 11 o'clock, um, but I'll go ahead and tell you what I'm gonna tell them. And that is about 60% of them come to the 11.15 service already. So they just got to keep doing what they're doing. Um, and they'll actually be on time for church. It's gonna be awesome for them. So that's not a big deal. Um, now, about 243 of you have already filled out this thing before this weekend. If that is you, still have your phone out and still mess with it just don't have to hit submit, okay? But we want your neighbor to feel comfortable with the fact that they haven't gotten this, seen this, anything else yet, okay? So you're just doing this to take down a barrier from everything else. We're doing this together. And I'm gonna keep talking while you're doing this, okay? So I'm just talking, you keep doing. Y'all, the only reason we move from three worship services to seven is because we believe God has people he intends to save still. Right here in our community. And I think, I know he has called us to go and fish for people right here in our community. And I think this is really who Mercy Church is right now, if I can talk as your pastor. We're a body of people right now, mostly Christians, who are ready to be mobilized to reach the lost, who want to believe God has more to do. There's a reason you poured in 300 deep for a prayer night earlier this year, because you're hungry for God to move and you wanna be a part of it. Well, it's time to do something about it. Time to go fishing. Time to believe God for the lost people around us. Believing God wants to use us to bring people to saving faith in him. So we're taking two steps this morning. One is this thing where we're, you know, just talking about how you're going to, uh, where you're going to attend. And there's a little button there where you can say, yeah, I want to serve. I'm not serving right now, but I want to serve. Because to add these services means everybody takes a step. For the first time ever, Mercy will have enough seats and enough kid space for our worship gatherings. We're going to be short on parking. It's not going to change. And if you're a Providence Road, we're taking steps to try and find the facility that's going to be right for us. We've got a team working on that. We're short on parking, but we're also short on people to serve. So today we're solving the serving problem. You're saying I'm in. I'm moving for the mission. I'm not going to observe. I'm going to participate. I'm going to take my next step in following Jesus by serving my brothers and sisters in Christ and by serving the lost. And I'm absolutely serious when I say here's, like how somebody has come to faith. This is a common thing. It's not the only thing. It's a common thing. You'll have a single mom who will be invited by a friend. And that friend who's a member of Mercy Church, that's a big step. I'm going to have a spiritual conversation with this person. We're going to get to the point where we're talking about Jesus. And maybe they cross the line of faith. Maybe they're like, yeah, I'll come to church because you're coming. Otherwise I would never go to church, but I'll come because you're there and you've asked me to come and we're friends. Well, when that single mom brings her two, three kids into Mercy Kids, and you say, you know what? I would love to serve you, single mom, by watching your kids and loving on them with the love of Jesus or teaching them this morning. I'd love to do it. I'm gonna pour everything out, whether it's holding babies or teaching little ones. Man, that takes down a huge obstacle. You moms and dads know this. A huge obstacle to no? know my kids are not only safe, but they're being loved on. And I'm gonna come in here and hear the gospel and see what the Lord might do. And maybe that person crosses the line of faith in here, or maybe that becomes the seed that the Lord just grows a little bit more for another conversation a little bit later where they come to faith. Look, right now we don't have a, I'm using kids ministry as an example because we don't have a kid's space problem. We got a people shortage. That's not our only ministry, of course. And if you fill this thing out, you'll be followed up tomorrow by our ministry teams. They'll give you more info about where you can serve a lot of different places. We just got to get started somewhere now. Giving you a couple of minutes to fill that out. So now I want you to shut your phone, put that back away, okay? Because now it's time to pray. What we're doing, we're putting our yes on the table to go fishing, but only God can save. And we are fools to try and conjure up an awakening, to try and manufacture heart change. Only God can do that. Only God can bring revival, but man, do I want him to do it in our day, and I want him to use us to do it. So we're going to pray and ask the Lord for that, all right? I'm going to lead us at all three campuses in a time of corporate prayer. So here's what you're going to do right now. Right now, you're going to identify your prayer buddy, okay? So this is, because you're going to pray out loud with one or two other people. Now, we have a standing rule here. If you're like, I'm not ready to pray out loud with other people, when I when I say identify your prayer buddy, you just bow your head immediately and look at your feet. That is our indication collectively that you you're ready to, You want to pray alone right now. Okay, we respect it. We hope that you'll take a step with your family and start praying with others. But if that's what you need to do right now, that's fine. All right. So you have ten seconds to identify your prayer buddy and get together, and then I'm gonna lead you in the prayer time. Ready? Go. There we go. Forward, Nancy. And nine one thousand, ten one thousand. All right. Great job, everybody. So proud of you. All right. We're going to take just a minute to pray through each of these prayer prompts. I will transition you to the next one. Let's just pray and ask our Lord to work. It starts with us. So I want you to pray for God to help you follow him. That simple call, follow me. And that Lord, would you do so from a place of joy over who we are in Christ. You take a minute, you pray that, and then I'll lead us in the next thing. You go ahead. one thing that we say all the time around here is that we want to pray for our one. That's one person we know, one name we know, someone who's far from God, but God has put close to us. And let's pray that God would save them and would give us joy in going fishing, joy in going and sharing the gospel with them. Pray for your one who, God, would you bring them into the waters in the next year? Let's pray for those, those that we know they're lost in need saving faith in Christ. You pray. And finally, as we pray, I want you to pray for the launch of these new services and for our new campus in Union County. Lord, I want you to, want you to pray. Lord, would you do your thing? <laughs> That's what we're praying. Lord, would you save and use this collective effort for your glory that you would bring saving people to saving faith in Christ, Lord, through the step of faith that your saints are taking together. So would you ask for the Lord's blessing over this big step of faith we're taking together. You continue to pray. Father, your scriptures make it clear that apart from you, we can do nothing. God, we are your church. We belong to you. You and your kindness, every one of us following you, we are miracles, trophies of grace so that others might know the grace of our God. But we lift everything we're doing and we give it back to you. So Lord, it's yours. The church is yours we ask, Father, would you save? Would you free us from fear, from pride, from whatever would hold us back to following you so that we might get caught up in a move of grace? That's what we want. We want to be a part of that, Father. We're asking for your blessing on it, but it is for your glory. And apart from your power, we are hopeless. So we give it all to you. Guide, lead us. For your glory, we pray in Christ's holy name, amen, amen.